0: Welcome everybody to the Nebraska abilities podcast. I am your host Zach joined by my lovely co-hosts Andy and Nate and we are here to talk to you about another week of Nebraska football, which is probably going to be one of the biggest weeks of Nebraska football um, probably the rest of this year Uh, as many people that are Nebraska fans already know our beloved prodigal coach son in air quotes there prodigal son coach, I should say, um, has been fired. Um, after the loss to Georgia Southern, 45-42, um, Scott Frost was relieved of his duty on Sunday morning, and he finished here with a 16-31 and overall win-loss record, uh, which is not great. Obviously not great because it puts him as the second-worst coach in Nebraska history, dating back to, I believe... Uh, the late 1800s. It was a long run, you know. Um, But then, obviously, because he was uh, relieved of his duties, Trev Alberts then named uh, Mickey Joseph as the interim head coach. And so now everybody that is a Nebraska football fan is asking the same question, what happens now and where do we go from here? And uh, obviously, that's kind of where... We're at, we're here to discuss that as well. So I figure let's just get into that. Um, and I'll start with Andy. What you got, man? So the
1: writing was on the wall, even dating back to last season. Um, when Trev came out with the restructured contract for Scott after I believe the Wisconsin game or the morning or after the Ohio State, I believe, uh, game that was where he said Scott will be retained for next year. We restructured his contract with all that. and. For some people were on the board of the Frost Train that they loved that would love to have Scott for another year. Other people like myself were just kind of in that mist of, okay, that's cool. What changes is he going to make? Why are we keeping the ship afloat? I mean, and as we saw uh, Saturday, I mean, everything accumulated to the same mistakes over and over and over for Scott. Um, All three games, we have seen every single mistake that happened in year one. So nothing dating back to even the first season has been fixed, has been coached correct and all that. And for Trev, I think the writing was on the wall. Um, I was at the game Saturday and you could just tell the feeling in the stadium, a lot of boo birds, a lot of people just kind of fed up with the product that we were being shown on the field of this team, this coaching staff, um, that nothing has been right uh, that Scott had changed or anything like that. And I think, Trev saw that Um, he saw the stadium just kind of just torn apart um, between what he wanted to do and what he should do. And I think to preserve the sellout streak, Trev thought this was the right move that had to be made Um, just to keep the fan base intact, to keep the fan base going the rest of the season, keep um, rallying around the team. And I have Saturday's performance was just the final seal on the Scott Frost era and, as much as I was never for in season firings. Um, I think just as the first three games have gone, I've just kind of have been over it. I've been mentally checked out already three games into the season under Scott. And I was just, I was baffled at, this was the product that we were being shown. This is what we have to accept for this team. And Trev knew that too. And, uh, thankfully he decided to make that change. Um, like you said, Zach, Mickey, uh, Joseph interim coach now for the football team. And we'll talk about his presser later. We'll talk about Trev's presser and what he had to say in terms of a coaching church, um, and what Mickey has for the rest of the season. But, uh, the writing was just on the wall, just from the end of last season, going into this season. Um, unless we saw a real progressive change with Scott and how he coached and how the team played, um, it's evident with as much as we make fun of the onside. um, at the Northwestern game, I mean, that was that was the first sign that Scott couldn't get out of his way, that nothing had changed, that he couldn't just trust somebody to just make the play calls for him. He has to have his finger and everything. And I think Trev saw that too, um, especially how that game ended is, okay, this, something needs to happen. Something needs to change. And, um, uh, that's why trev was hired trev was hired to make those decisions um if you know anything about the past of trev albert's history as any sort of athletic director especially with the university of nebraska omaha uh, affiliate that he was there um he cut that football program he cut that wrestling program um so trev was not the trev was not afraid to make that decision to just cut scott fire scott within the season and uh it was definitely needed to be done uh, i'm sure some booster donated him the other seven and a half million after the Saturday game and just said, hey, here you go. Just do it. Let's just get rip the band-aid off. Let's move on. Let's salvage any of the season for the players and uh, the rest of the fan base here. But with that, uh, Nate, your first initial thoughts on everything.
2: Yeah, I think you uh, really encapsulated things well when you said uh, you were just mentally and emotionally kind of checked out this year with Husker football, just the way that things have gone and that Georgia Southern game was really just the cherry on top. I think of how everyone felt uh, this season. I mean, there's a lot of optimism going into the season with Northwestern, you know, an easier schedule, hope that Scott could turn it around. But um, like you mentioned, the product on the field just was very lackluster, not, not anything that we're used to um, as Husker football fans. And ultimately, the decision had to be made to let go of Scott Frost. And so Um, I had heard a few rumors, um, they're more speculative than anything, but that Trev was definitely last year pushing to get Scott Frost out of there, but he didn't really necessarily have the booster or fan support, and then really got the ball rolling once uh, the Northwestern game happened, I heard as well, that he was uh, definitely not happy with Scott's performance and was wanting to kind of turn the page and get get someone new in there at least get uh some new blood for the kids to kind of work with so uh, i'm not really surprised with the decision i guess but it is is unfortunate to see i think everyone in nebraska wanted this hire to work wanted scott frost to work out and unfortunately just it just didn't 1631 is not going to cut it um second worst coach in Nebraska history isn't going to cut it and you can only go along with that for so long I think so I think the right decision was made Um, unfortunately it it had to be in the middle of the season but um, from everything I've heard from press conferences from Mickey and Trev it at least seems like we're heading in the right direction and should be able to hopefully right the ship um, at least moving into Big Ten play Um, I know we got a couple tough tests coming up but it seems like we should at least be on a good trajectory upward or have at least the right personnel where they should be. So I guess with that, I'll uh, go ahead and pass it to Zach if you want to get more into the nitty-gritty of the coaching stuff here.
0: Yeah. Um, I had quite a few people text me. I know you guys said the same thing, you know, uh, the people that listen to us uh, saying, you guys got a lot to talk about, um, kind of asking our initial thoughts just in general. Um, for me, it was one of those things where it kind of a two part deal because obviously I'm a Husker fan. I have been since young kid. And so as a Husker fan and, you know, knowing the history of Scott Frost and everything, I'm sad, you know, I'm a, I'm a sad Husker fan because at me and everybody that I know really wanted him to work out. But as a realist, um, Husker fan, I guess, you know, as a as somebody that's trying to look at it through realistic goggles, it had to be done. Um, I think really the only thing that surprised me outside of the fact that we lost at that point was the fact that it happened the next day. I was so sure that if even, even if we lost that, it was going to wait until the October 1st, uh, by the contract change or the buyout dipping down, but no, it, it happened. Um, in fact, it was funny because I was out on a golf course and I get the ESPN notification saying he was relieved of his duties and it was like, holy cow, I mean that was the last thing I expected to get that day, but it happened and now we get to now we get to be speculative and we get to start the rumors. So <laughs> I figure um I uh what I wanted to start with personally because a lot of people were thinking that or I I shouldn't say a lot of people were thinking but a lot it seemed like a lot of people might have had ideas that um Mark Whipple was going to take over as interim uh so I would like to point out that I agree with Mickey taking over as the interim head coach I just think he's got I think he's got a better fire about him I guess that I think a head coach needs not that Whipple would be a bad choice I think but I also think Whipple's old enough that maybe maybe his health or maybe something might be as a factor for why they didn't choose him. But anyway, I mean, that's kind of beside the point. I think Mark or, uh, Mike, Mickey Joseph was a great choice for interim. Uh, and obviously, I guess we can use that to get kind of into the press conference that Trev had um, Sunday afternoon, which was about the fact that he's going to go through a full – a national search he's going to go and t- through the proper channels um but he also mentioned that mickey is just as much on that list as anybody else and i think a lot of people might be pulling for mickey joseph just as much as you know anybody else might be on that list um but on the flip side of that he did mention too that just because he might reach out and talk to somebody that does not mean he's offering the job Um, I think that's key to to point out, definitely key to remember, because uh, if anybody knows anything about Nebraska media, they sometimes like to uh, maybe hyperanalyze would be the word, but maybe that might be the pot calling the kettle black with us, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I guess I think maybe something that, before we get too far into the press conference, personally, I think maybe something that, we might want to discuss is what's like one or two key points that we think we should look for in a coach uh, from, from the fan's perspective, at least from, you know, our personal perspectives and something, and I'll start it here with, I think something we should look at is the difference between what a lot of people call a quote unquote sexy or unsexy hire. Um, you know, when Scott Frost was hired, everybody was like, that's a home run hire you know, writing on, you know, now we know hindsight 2020, but he was, he was at that time, I think considered a sexy hire. Um, He was obviously a good hire. I, we thought, you know, Nebraska fans were elated. Um, But I think now that we've seen the results and we've seen what happens, I think it's, I think now it might be time to get somebody that has that proven experience as a winner So, you know, on paper, they might be like, oh, well, that's not exciting. That's not the next whoever, you know, whoever the hottest up and coming flame coach is. But somebody that's proven that they know how to win, specifically in the Big Ten. I think that's going to be key. Um, And something else that's going to be huge, I think two big points that's going to be huge for the next guy coming in is whoever it is, is going to have new facilities within, I think, two to three years which is going to be a huge advantage for them. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Nebraska boosters as well as, you know, the athletic department are going to open the checkbook as far as they want it to go. Um, I think they're going to have pretty, a pretty good list of people to go to. Um, but obviously we'll, (laughs) we'll have to see what, what happens. I do think this one's going to be a longer search too. I think, uh, is going to take his time, which is good. Um, I read a I read a thing today that it, this is gonna be a longer search than I think it was Perlman's forty days and forty nights search, which I think a lot of people would breathe a sigh of relief on that one um, but that's kind of my key thoughts about kind of what we're gonna look at you know what I would like to see for a coach um, generally speaking um, Nate or Andy I guess uh, we'll go to Andy uh what's kind of your Your thoughts, kind of what are some of the key points to look for, do you think? So just, I mean, a quick note going back to the
1: whole uh, Trev press conference um, and how this was almost kind of an anticipated move to where when Mickey Joseph was first hired. um, Obviously, besides the wide receivers coach name attached to it, another title attached to his hiring was associate head coach which tells me that when Trev and Scott kind of went through who he wanted to get, he was going to have to name somebody um, just that assistant head coach or associate head coach as it is in case something like this were to happen in which it did. So that to me, it's telling me that Trev kind of saw the writing on the wall that, you know, if he doesn't make it to the buyout contract or if it happens before, there's already a plan in place of who is taking the next step as uh, the head coach there. So that one for me is like Trev knew probably what was going to happen. And like Nate had mentioned before, kind of how the rumor mill was they wanted him out last year. Trev wanted him out last year. But um, obviously we kept him just for the three games um, that we saw with him. But yes, in terms of what Trev had said yesterday, yes to Sunday, Sunday, uh, when he did this press conference was what he was looking for in a coach and a couple words that stuck out to me were, uh, he wants a grinder, a coach that doesn't want to lose, who hates to lose and not saying, I think he had mentioned this multiple times. Not that those characteristics weren't of Scott. It just wasn't right for him here. Um, and so that is what I stuck out to be. Also, another thing that stuck out to me was when, uh, the very big quote I think Trev said near the end of his presser was this place will always be bigger than any one person and I do think that is something he is going to take into consideration with his hire Um, whether that be a home run hire or an unsexy hire like Zach had mentioned um, that is who he is going to be looking for it's just somebody that is going to fit the bill, fit the mold of Nebraska football, embrace what Nebraska football is all about. And we'll get into our discussion of our short list of coaches of who has been rumored so far, and it's going to be a long two to three months of, we're probably going to hear names daily, weekly, uh, who's being talked to, who's being asked these questions. I mean, just today alone, there were a couple of tweets that I sent you guys of coaches that have already been asked by, out other media for that team of hey did you hear about the nebraska job what do you think about it and obviously the their typical answer was well i'm focused on this team right now we're focused on the next game but we're going to get a lot of that for the next two to three months of who we're going to be looking for in terms of coaches that we want and everything like that um but i think trev trev had said it straight yesterday um he just he had told all of us that Scott had just not lived up to what Nebraska was about in terms of coaching a football program. Obviously 16 and 31 stands out as a lot to be said about Scott. I know people were were saying like, Oh, he made all these changes. Let's just give him more time. Give him a couple more games. And I always go back to that 16 and 31. I mean, you've had four years of this entire Scott Frost era. And everything, every same mistake kept happening every game, every single year, and nothing was ever fixed. And Trev realized that. Trev knows that he had to make that decision. And that's just something that I, I appreciate about Trev that he can do that. Um, another thing that he had said yesterday uh, was just he didn't want to criticize Scott. There's no point in looking back. Um, he had also said that, you know, we got to stop talking about championships and our past history, and we got to start focusing on today and the uh, the present. And Mickey had also said that today during his presser as well, um, is it's all about the players. It's all about the kids. It's all about the next game that we got to go to. And Travis Martin realized, realizes that program and tradition have built Nebraska football to what it is now. But if you keep going back to trying to find somebody with Nebraska ties, trying to find somebody that is going to bring you know, all the tradition of the 80s and 90s back to Nebraska uh, with one hire, it's just not it's not doable in modern college football anymore um, in terms of just the sexy, unsexy hires. Um, you know, at the time when Scott was hired, I mean, that was a, a no brainer. It was we all thought a home run hire um, when we were looking. He was the up and coming coach on the rise, went 12 and 13 and know at UCF. Just won the Peach Bowl uh, against Auburn, and at that time, I mean, that was a no-brainer. Home run hire. Everybody agreed. Everybody was on board. And just as the first couple years went along, we all started to realize, okay, this is not going to keep working anymore. This is just going to keep crashing and burning into the ground, and obviously, it did at the end. Um, So Trev knows that he needs to uh, flush out all of the coaches, interview all these coaches, players. Talk to as many people as he can about trying to find the right coach for Nebraska. And like I said, we're going to hear a lot and a lot of names over the next couple months of who is going to who's being rumored to get the job, um, who is going to be talked to by Trev. And Trev had said that yesterday too: is just because you see a report that Trev Alberts talked to X Y Z coach does not mean that Trev Alberts has reached out and offered X Y Z coach the Nebraska job. You're just going to, those rumors will just be, hey, he talked to this person just to get an insight on the job. And that was it. Uh, But with that, Nate, uh, we'll head it over to you. What do you think about uh, Trev's Presser yesterday and what he had to say?
2: Yeah, so I didn't actually get to watch Trev's Presser because uh, being in North Dakota, they don't necessarily follow Nebraska sports too closely. (laughs) But uh, I tried to get as many highlights as I could from it. And uh, the one that really stood out to me was. The quote that stood out to me was that uh, stop talking about championships in the past and start kind of just building the fundamentals to get us back to a championship mentality. And that's, I think, a mindset that a lot of Husker Nation really has to kind of come to terms with, unfortunately, because we do. We're very proud of our past. We're proud of our teams that uh, were successful in the 80s, 90s. Uh, even early 2000s where we don't like to forget those times and we like to kind of live in the past at times as a result because of that but this is like you said college football modern college football is a lot different these days and we have to make changes to kind of bring ourselves into the modern era here and I think that hiring less less sexy of a coach is probably going to be the way we go. Just listening to uh, Trev's words a little bit seems like uh, we're not looking for that home run hire. That's going to get us, you know, a championship in the next two years or something. We're going to be trying to find someone that's going to be more of a consistent voice, a consistent power that gets us back to uh, just national relevance, um, if anything. And so I think, from trev's presser what i gleaned was that they're going to shell out the money to get who they want but it's not going to be again this home run hire of trying to bring us back to the past trying to win championship in a couple years here so i think that's um a big point there and then just looking at mickey joseph um i think he's going to give him a pretty long leash i mean you don't really have (laughs) too much to fall back on for the rest of the year. So you might as well just see what, or what Mickey can do uh, this year and see how the next nine games shake out. And really it'll be an audition for Mickey to see if he is head coach material, if he can motivate these players to at least play to their, the best of their potential. I think Um, obviously there's a lot that needs to be cleaned up, especially on defensive side of the ball, as we saw in the Georgia Southern game. Um, but I think if you get the right guy in there, uh, just listening to Mickey's presser today a little bit, it sounds like they were going to make some changes on the defensive side of the ball. Coaching-wise, personnel-wise, um, they're going to have two coaches uh, looking at the um, DBs and safeties. Instead of just the one, which I think is a reasonable idea. I'm surprised that it's not something we were doing earlier. <laughs> Mickey was saying that's something that every, just about every college team, every NFL team does. And so it was kind of shocking to hear that um, Scott Frost's team was not following suit with that. Could be one of the issues there. But um, again, he, in Mickey's press conference, he echoed the same sentiment though that. Um, this job is bigger than just one person and it's not going to be um, Mickey Joseph's team. It's going to be the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And I think that um, really instills some confidence in me going forward that, um, I mean, we're not going to, you know, go out there and blow the doors off anyone or like, we're not going to go 65, nothing against Oklahoma in the first game here, but that would be an awesome. moment. <laughs> <laughs> Would love that absolutely, but I think um, we'll at we least see that positive trajectory uh, towards more of a team mentality and less of a hero mentality, I guess. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. Um, but yeah, I guess with that, I'll pass it back to you, Zach. If you want to get a little more into the Mickey's presser and coaching stuff, or
0: yeah, um, and something I think you touched on really well there, Nate was you know, he gave Mickey the the reins. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's key because this kind of goes into Mickey's press conference too, I think, where um, Trev said that Mickey had some, and I guess maybe this is what I took from it, maybe this isn't exactly what he said, so I might be paraphrasing or incorrectly phrasing this, but he said something along the lines of, Mickey is going to get full control and he has significant changes he wants to make. But then he said, you'll have to ask him about those because he's going to have an opportunity to talk to the media. Now, as I was listening to today, I didn't hear maybe my idea of a significant change is too high, but I didn't hear any like major changes that Mickey was going to make. But I also wonder how much of that is going to be made public. I mean, until it's obvious as in like, if there's going to be a coach that's going to be let go, Uh, or whatever, which I don't see that happening just at this point. I think, I don't know if you have too many options in the middle of the season, but uh, if that's going to happen, I'm guessing we won't hear about it until it does happen. Um, But with that, though, Mickey did have some really good points that I liked uh, that I thought was kind of telling, if nothing else. Um, He switched the day off. I don't remember. You guys might have to correct me on what he said, but I think... Instead of Sunday being the day off, it's now Monday. So the day after the game, they come in and they're coming in as a team the day after. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I have not played on a college football team, but to me, that one just seems to make a little more sense because, you know, that game is still going to be fresh in your mind. And so, you know, you talk about it the next day, whether that's you go in and watch film and you lift and that's it or, you know, whatever it may be. I don't know. I don't know what those consist of, but. You know that would be that that one made sense to me um he did mention that the players who were obviously probably recruited by Scott have handled the last you know couple days like champs uh, granted I don't know what else he was going to say I, I can't imagine he would say yeah they're not taking it well I mean obviously they're not going to take it well you know this guy recruited him to Nebraska and now he's gone. You know, it's tough. I mean, even as fans, we've, we all said it, we were sad, you know, we didn't want to see this happen and hell, uh, you know, Trev's press conference, he even seemed like he was sad. You could tell he didn't want to do it. He even said that he said, I don't, I didn't want to make this decision, but I felt it was best, you know, that, that weighed on him just as much as it, you know, might've fan, um, you know, obviously he's going to have to be the one to take the heat if it doesn't work out, but I think he's got good intentions. I think he's got really good ideas and I trust the process, obviously going into Mickey being the interim. Um, I think, you know, um, (laughs) something also that, uh, Mickey pointed out was he still talks to coach Osborne. Um, which I, I loved his comment about how he still, uh, talks to me like I'm 19, which is cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I think Mickey's got a good head on his shoulders, um, whether he sticks around as the head coach beyond this, you know, we have no idea. We'll have to see. But I do think um, he's very much focused on that one week at a time mentality. You know, he even said, "We've got nine games left, right?" But right now, we're focusing on OU. You know, that's the next one that's in front of us. Um, and not to, not that this is crazy out of the norm for co- what coaches say, but um, that's what NFL coaches even say. You know, the coaches will be like or sorry the media for NFL teams will be like well how you guys think you're going to handle a team that's 3 weeks down the road that's really run heavy or that you know you guys can't stop the pass or whatever you know and they'll be like we're not looking we're not looking at that you know we're looking to this next week we can't control anything outside of that we're not going to focus on that um you know a lot of good coaches do a really good job to block out the noise outside of what's going on in their building that week and i think not saying Scott didn't do that, um, but I think Mickey has a very good uh, way of talking about it going forward, and I think that's key. Um, something else that I thought was interesting is I think he mentioned that, uh, is it Greg Austin that's our DB coach? Is that right? Uh, no. Uh, Greg I Austin was the former O-line coach. Scott? Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I thought he said. I thought he said Austin in the conference. I was like, that doesn't sound right. Anyway, no. whoever our current DB coach is, I forgot his name. He said that uh, he believes he believed that Nebraska was the only one that had one DB coach where most places have mm-hmm. two. Um, and he said that's not a fault to what he's doing there. It's that's one set of eyes. You know, most places you probably for sure need two. Uh, so I don't remember who he said he moved up or uh, basically yeah. his his comments were saying that he, there's now somebody that's going to be helping yes. with the DB's. So to have two coaches there. Yeah.
1: It's Travis Fisher's, the current that's defensive back. <laughs> yep. Um he said he was going to move Chins to help back uh He's moving somebody to nickel. I don't remember who he said either chins was going to help nickel or chins was going to help move back to the uh, the safeties. And then Mike Dawson can, or not Mike Dawson. uh, Travis Fisher can uh, work on the corners. And yeah, Uh, uh, and he did.
0: It was, it was chins that said, uh, or it wasn't him that said it, but uh, Mm -hmm. Mickey did say chins was moving back to help nickels. So anyway, the point is is that maybe those were the significant changes that we were talking about before where, you know, maybe on paper, they're not as significant, but I think that to me was telling that maybe it wasn't, maybe we just weren't using the resources we had correctly because I mean, we can all attest to this. They play, they've played well in certain phases of certain games. So, I mean, obviously the talent is there. I think the coaching is mostly there. I I just think maybe it was mismanagement. Um, I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but I think there's a lot I think there is a lot of things that Mickey said today in terms of how he wants to run the team um that I think are good but are also like maybe this is why Frost had to be let go. Um I uh oh Mickey did also say, you know, moving to the head coach, he's going to take a step back and he's not going to be doing wide receiver duties or at least as much. Um that's probably a good thing because as I've said in the past, and I know I think we've all said to each other, um, the head coach needs to be more of a game manager. I think, you know, I don't have a problem with a head coach that calls plays, but obviously if it wasn't working for us the f- last four years, I don't think it was good to do it this year, and we see where that got us. Um, I, you know, I really liked Mickey's press conference overall. Um, I did, I was a little... I won't say underwhelmed. That's a little unfair. I was whelmed, I guess. I was kind of in the middle with it because a lot of it just sounded like a lot of coach speak, which I kind of expected. There wasn't a lot really to take from it outside of the the obvious, you know, I'm the head coach now, the the basics. Uh, But, you know, I I still liked what he had to say. And I I think, like you said, Nate, I think he's going to have that really long leash. And I think he's going to have a really good chance to show if he wants to be the next head coach, you know, he's got nine games to do it. Um, so I'm excited to see what comes from him, um, and I'm excited to see where he takes the team. And I think the other thing is that the expectations of him as a head coach are much lower now just because the the excuse if things don't go right is, well, he's not working with his team. This isn't the people he necessarily would want. This this He's working with what he was given, which – could be a lot, could be not much. We don't know, but I think, I think he's in like the perfect position where he's getting an extended interview basically to show his stuff. And if it doesn't work out, he's still a great wide receiver coach. I mean, he's going to get a job somewhere or he could go on to be a head coach somewhere else. Who knows? Um, but with that, I, you know, I, I think I've taken enough time on this one. I'll pass it to you, Andy. I mean, yeah, you hit on pretty much all of the press
1: conference there. Um, I was the same way. I do think, you know, he, I think that's just who Vicky Joseph is. He's just, he's all, I mean, that's what you wanted to coach. It's all business. He knows what he has to do. He knows what he wants to do um, type thing. And you could just hear that in the tone that he was up there. Um, And who knows how much, you know, experience he's had before this of addressing the whole media as, you know, the one voice of the program right now, um, But I do think that's just who he is. He's just all business. Uh, Let's just get to work. Let's go out there one game at a time. Like he had mentioned in his presser, um, we got to focus on Oklahoma this week. Um, Even though he says, you know, we got nine games to prove that we can still win and be a good football team. But right now we got to focus on Oklahoma right now. And I think, I mean, I think he's going to be a good interim coach for what Trev wants uh, in terms of salvaging this rest of the season and the fan base uh, going forward. So... That's probably why I loved, I think one of the quotes I love that he said is um, it's just kind of, you know, you shake everything off and you move on. Um, this is a clean slate for him. This is a clean slate for the program. And um, he knows that Trev is going to be looking for coaches. I'm sure they had discussed about that during the process. Um, and Trev didn't uh, rule out yet. Like I think we've mentioned before that, you know, if Mickey does do well, um, you know, if he runs to the table at 10 and two, I'd be ecstatic. <laughs> But um, even if he does well enough to even throw his name in the hat at the end of the coaching search, um, I travel, you know, look into that. Seriously, consider him too. Um, you know, we we got to know. I think they had asked him today if he wants the job um, at the end of it. And I think Mickey kind of gave a, the same answer of, you know, if I'm in their consideration, that's all I want um, It's just to be considered as a head coach. Um, so I do I do think he's going to be it's going to work out. Um, Who knows how many wins it's going to work out to be. But I do think based on just what he's already said today, that there's going to be a big shift of culture. There's going to be a big shift of how they get things done, how they run the ship. Um, And I will be, I will be interested to see how much now, now that Scott's gone of how much dirty laundry is going to be aired. Um, I think it's very telling that we still outside of what Oshan said on Sunday after Scott got fired, I think it is very telling of how tight of a ship that Mickey wants to run in terms of player, current players, at least, speaking out on Scott. Um, I know we've seen a few tweets from AJ Allen, and I think Anthony Grant had tweeted also um, that they're just going to focus on us. We're going to work on ourselves, you know, go Big Red, that type of thing. But we haven't heard a lot of current players speak out about how they feel about Scott, how they feel about the move and everything. And I do think that is a part of Trev and Mickey wanting to keep all of this in house and everything inside of not airing their dirty laundry about Scott. Now, that being said, who knows now that everything's out in the open, Scott's no longer affiliated with the program, how much we are going to hear about the accountability and how Scott did actually coach during practice during the off time, so when they're not playing a game on the field, I do think a lot of that is going to come out within the next couple of months, um, and I I think that is one of the big reasons why that Scott got fired is he you can always tell in every press conference he never held himself accountable, he never said maybe he always said he it was coach speak oh we're going to work on tackling we're going to work to fix this over and over and then come game time next week we would see the same exact thing over and over again none of the mistakes ever got fixed. So I do think that is one thing that Mickey is going to be his number one priority is, I think he said like, we got to fix all three phases of the game, offense, defense, special teams. Um, And that all comes down to coaching. It all comes down to being accountable as a head coach. Are you going to make sure you get the focus on those three phases to go out and win that football game? Um, That even showed Saturday. I mean, the defense letting up 45 points cost us the game eventually, but at the same time offense played really well offense kept you in the game whereas years past it's always been flip-flop where the defense would always keep us in the game so we could never score enough points now we can score enough points but we can't stop them from scoring points so that's one of the things i liked what mickey said is we got to fix all three aspects of the game um and he had mentioned even you know just they got to work on tackling and i know scott had mentioned that in previous press conferences earlier this year is we got to work on tackling but still nothing has ever been fixed. Um, So I don't know if we're going to see it right away of all the changes of either culture or mentality that Mickey has instilled uh, going into Oklahoma Saturday. But I do think within the next few games, for sure, we should start to see some of those changes um, with that. So I'm I'm glad that Mickey is right now being handed the reins. Uh, Like Trev said, he says he wasn't going to medal. And Mickey's decision-making, he's going to let him be a head coach. And Trev's just going to step back and be there for Mickey if he needs him. But um, I do like that Trev is just handing him the reins, saying, "Here you go, right the ship, uh, salvage the season, and on your way." <laughs> what about you, Nate?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that really encapsulates everything that uh, Mickey's press conference uh, kind of went over. I think one of the big ones was, or one of the big quotes for me was that. Um, He's going to have the players hold the players accountable, not just the coaches. It's going to be guys out there. If you miss a tackle, you're going to hear it from uh, Garrett Nelson or Nick Henrich. You're going to hear a drop pass from Casey's (laughs) side, and uh, you're going to have the kids actually kind of getting on each other's cases a little bit, which I think is something we need, just a little bit of more fire there. Not necessarily, you know, infighting or anything, but just a little more, you know, fire and just ability to get on each other and make each other better and so i think that's going to be really important going forward um but yeah he's gonna be a detailed high energy guy and i think he's gonna get them to really um really get the best out of the players i think he seems like he's going to be a good motivator doesn't seem like uh he's going to (laughs) be real soft on him it seems like he is gonna go out there and try to get the most out of his players and i think the talent's there it's just whether the coaching uh can get the talent where it needs to be to win football games and i mean even we've we've been seeing it um Georgia Southern is 2 and 0 so they're not necessarily a pushover north Dakota is ranked in the top 25 of um FCS now and i mean northwestern is northwestern but <laughs> we've actually we haven't played some you know not necessarily bottom feeder teams and um, they've been close games but they're definitely winnable games and so I think if we can just get the coaching over the hump um, I think that can go a long ways moving forward with the season so with that I'll pass it back to Zach if he wants to look into uh, maybe what the future holds I guess
0: I mean, if I could uh, have a crystal ball, I'd love to take a look into that thing right now and see what it says. Yeah, you could tell us um, who the next
1: coach is.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, so obviously we kind of passed around a list. Um, Not necessarily our list. We found a list, and then we kind of took it from there of what we thought were good options. Um, I'm probably going to mispronounce his last name, Pete Thamel or Tamil. It's um, Thamel. On Twitter, Twitter. Cannot talk today. Um, he had a list of, it looks like oh, 12 or 13 different head coaches. Some of these, as I was looking at them, I'm like, man, some of these seem like long reaches, but I guess anything's possible. Um,
1: it's what you get I've- with coaching shirts <laughs> season and flight <laughs> season, flight tracker season. Yep. is my but favorite. That's true. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go through this whole list. I think there's quite a few on here that we don't necessarily need to talk about, but there are a couple names on here that I thought were good examples of coaches, um that nebraska might look too higher not necessarily these guys specifically but um you know people like them so the two names that popped up for me that i was like you know this fits my definition of an unsexy hire but has proven success at winning in the big 10 and you know they could come here i guess um that i would be I don't know if I'd be okay with in certain aspects, but I'd be like, okay, you know, these make sense on paper. Um, you know, PJ Fleck and Brett Bielma. Um, I don't necessarily like either of them to come here, but they have proven. At least Brett Bielma has uh, proven. He, you know, he coached at Wisconsin and he was a good coach at Wisconsin. Or um, there for a while, at least, uh, and he he has proven he knows what it takes to win in the Big Ten. So is PJ Fleck. Again, I don't necessarily like either of those two specifically for the Nebraska job but people like that would are somebody that I'm looking for. However, on that same side of things there are a couple there are a couple you know hot flash hires that I would be just giddy as all hell to get. Um, so I'm gonna go through my list of I think three or four um, maybe see how much they coincide with you guys and then you know we can kind of throw some other names out there but my top four, and in no particular order, I'm just going from the top of the list that I have to the bottom. Um, I've got Matt Campbell, which I think would be good. Um, I really like Jamie Chadwell. Um, <laughs> these next two, I think, are longer shots, but still I think would be good uh, for sure. Um, Luke Fickle, I, I don't see him leaving uh, Cincinnati, but that'd be nuts. Um, I I do think Bill O'Brien would be a good one personally. Um, well, I would agree and I'll throw I'll throw a fifth one out there just as somebody I wouldn't hate but I would I would be curious about would be Tom Herman um, mm-hmm. Tom Herman obviously did not have the success at Texas that they thought he was gonna have but I still think he's a good coach um, so who knows but I think the three of us have decided or not decided we discussed that uh, Matt Campbell is probably top three or four for all of us. Would that be correct, you dude, guys? Yep.
2: Somewhere um, in there.
0: Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, I think my concern with Matt Campbell uh, is not even his coaching ability by any means. Um, I think my issue with him would be is, is Iowa State his ceiling. Um, I mean, obviously, he's brought Iowa State up from what it was. Um, you know, hell, they beat Iowa. That's huge. You know, a lot of people... We're excited. Um, My cousin's wife is an Iowa State fan. She had a heyday with that. Um, You know, I I think Matt Campbell is a good coach, but my question is: is is Iowa State his ceiling? Meaning, when he comes to Nebraska, are we going to be, you know, six and six, seven and five? Are we really going to see those nine win seasons? I mean, I'm sure we'll see some, and I think he's a good enough coach that he would do it. He'd have the resources here. But my concern would be, is he going to be able to bring sustained success here? Um, he's done it at Iowa State, but Iowa State is in the Big 12, which is not the Big 10, and they are different. Um, I mean, along with that, I think Jamie Chadwell is also good. Um, I mean, those I think are my top two. Swap on, you know, I'd swap them on the days. Um, my only issue with Chadwell isn't even really. A, much of an issue it's more you know kind coastal carolina i think is better than ucf at least in terms of what they've what they've done um well, but, if look
1: at what the sunbelt just did to the entire college football world last saturday <laughs> we know that some <laughs> belt teams can't compete with power five schools <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true um and i do i do like chadwell i just kind of wonder the same thing is is nebraska you know too high of a shot. I don't think so. Uh, it's just you know Nebraska has a lot that the you know the fans demand a lot, you know. And the same thing goes for Matt Campbell. I think I don't I think they'd be able to handle the pressure. I think they'd be able to handle the job. It's will they be able to handle it in a way that Nebraska fans want or are in 4 to 5 years we're going to be calling for the same thing and have a, this same discussion in that amount of time um we can get into the other ones you know a little bit later but those are my top two i kind of want to hear from you guys what you got andy yeah
1: Yeah. so yeah we can go through the list of names and obviously i'm sure each week that this keeps happening we're probably going to have different opinions about different names that come come through here um but yeah i agree uh matt campbell bill o'brien chadwell are all on uh my list of who i think are very gettable coaches um that would serve well here at Nebraska. Uh, Mark Stoops was also on there that I do think he would be uh, quite a good fit. Uh, Same with Dave Aranda, um, current coach at Baylor. Um, Obviously, Baylor had a very successful season last year, um, so I think he would be a good fit too. Um, If we kind of going back with... So we start with uh, Matt Campbell. Um, Yes, Matt Campbell would be a good fit here. I do agree. I think Iowa State... Might be his ceiling. I also don't know if he would want to leave Iowa State. Um, obviously, Nebraska has the resources to offer any coach that they want. We just paid fifteen million instead of waiting three weeks to pay seven point five million to buy Scott Frost contract out. Um, we have the facilities compared to Iowa State. We're building a brand new football pos- uh, facility. We have much more of the revenue, much more incentive to offer any coach, especially Matt Campbell compared to Iowa State. Um, I do remember kind of when Iowa State did offer him that contract extension that there were rumors that he might go to the NFL. Um, whether you know that offer was actually out there for Matt Campbell or not, whether he decided to decline it and stay at Iowa State is one thing. Um, but there are some some certainties that you know he might just stay at Iowa State. He just might want to be at Iowa State going forward um another thing with Chadwell uh coastal Carolina coach that you kind of run into the same issue of how much of the past do we let affect our future search so a uh, power five school or not a power five a group of five school same thing that Scott for us came from up and coming coach you know how high is he gonna go where's his peak did that with Scott obviously crashed and burn we found out what Scott. Not saying that that's going to happen with Chadwell if we do decide that he is the next coach, but that's just something you got to think about. Um, if you're Trev Alberts is, how much do you let that affect your hiring process? How much do you let the, the past affect who you're going to bring in? Chadwell, I mean, he's been fantastic at Coastal Carolina. Um, he was AP coach in 2020, I believe. Um, he He hasn't had a losing record at Coastal Carolina outside of his first year, which I think he went five and seven. Um, but I mean, the past few years, he's had 11-win season. They're off the 2-0 start this year as well. Um, their AD tweeted out yesterday that, you know, if he were to leave for the Nebraska job, that he would be a good fit for the Nebraska job. Um, so it's just, it's, that's a gamble that Trev is going to have to take is, do you want to go down the same path of hiring another Power 5, or another group of 5 coach for a Power 5 school that is yet to be unproven? Can they handle the transition? Scott did not handle it well. And that's where I think, you know, Bill O'Brien would come in. Um, Obviously, he's flown back from both college and pro NFL uh, football there. Uh, He took he he had, you know, yeah, he was coaching at Houston. Yeah, they you know, Houston has not been super great in terms of Super Bowl contender, but he had a a fair amount of winning seasons. Um, Just looking at his record, he uh, the eight years, seven years that he coached there, um, they finished first in the AFC South, and that's that can be a whole other discussion about good that division is. He but. did.
0: He did also start it. Uh, I believe at the Patriots before that. Yes. So he did really well there too. So, yes. you know he's not completely tainted from the NFL. Right,
1: and not you know NFL to college success is not always the same. Obviously, Nick Saban failed at the NFL, but came to college. Now look where he is. Um, so, I Bill O'Brien, I think, would be a good success. He's had success in college as well. So, I think he would be a good one. He's currently the uh, QBs coach, I think at Alabama um, and offensive coordinator as well. I think those are both his titles, but uh, another name that I had on here that would be probably a long shot. um, I think is Dave Claussen, who is the current uh, Wake Forest coach right now that he Wake Forest has had kind of the, the past couple of years has been more and more successful. Um, They just had, he was the 2021 AP coach of the year Um, at Wake Forest was probably their best record, um, in quite some time at Wake Forest. Um, outside of that, I mean, that would probably be just another long shot of if you're looking for up and coming coaches, uh, Dave Clawson is also on that list as well, but we can't rule out, uh, obviously Mickey Joseph. He would just depending on how close he is this year, I do think, uh, he would be a good addition, but for as far as kind of like my top three or four, I do think Matt Campbell, um, Cliff Chadwell, Bill O'Brien, Dave Aranda, I would also put in my top three or four of guys that you seriously should consider. Um, I do think Aranda would be a good fit for Nebraska, just with more power five experience as well. And that's something Trevor I also have to look as well as, you know, do you go for people that have had power five experience versus the group of five experience. Do you consider NFL experience versus college experience? Um, and that's why we're going to hear a lot of names over the next two to three months until Trev decides to make a decision. And who knows when he's going to make that decision as well. Um, I think a lot of people's going back to Matt Campbell, a lot of people's concern is, you know, are you hiring a Mike Riley? It's like type of coach, not in terms of age, Matt, Campbell's like 30 years younger than Mike Riley, (laughs) But um, in terms of success, I mean, I think Mike Riley only had like a five, 600 winning percentage at Oregon State before he came here. That's about where Matt Campbell sits right now. Um, So do you hire a kind of sustained coach with who can't break over that hump, get over that punch through 12, 13 win season, and you just settle for your eight, nine win seasons? Obviously to us right now, we would take anything like that. (laughs) just from where we have been. But you also got to look at long-term success. Um, you know how How is this going to play out in the long term? Um, and that brings up another point that I absolutely will never be on board with. Um, this is the only time I'll ever talk about the Urban Rumor. I absolutely do not want Urban Meyer at Nebraska. Um, if you want short-term success, that's fine. You're going to get your eight, nine win seasons and more in two to three years. There's that part of me that we know how many scandals, how many health crisis issues that urban Meyer has had at Ohio state. He had a very failed experiment in Jacksonville in the NFL. Didn't even last the whole season. And that's, that's the thing is do you want to bring someone with that baggage into a dumpster fire of the Nebraska football program that it already is and float more gasoline on it and make us more of a laughingstock? Um, Urban was a good coach, still could probably be a good coach. I just wouldn't want that at Nebraska. And that uh, that is my piece on Urban Meyer,
2: and I'll pass it over to you, Nate. No, I, I definitely agree with you there. I don't necessarily want Urban as head coach. <laughs> um, I think another name would be Bob Stoops there as well, but I think we'd also be remiss not to at least give them a call. Um you know it's they're proven guys that are i don't know if they're they're proven they know how to win they know how to do it on a big stage and uh they most certainly could probably turn things around rather quickly um again i think there's just a lot of baggage uh with that especially the urban meyer hire i think that would be a little too much it's not doesn't really seem like the direction that um Trev wants to go with this coaching hire, in my opinion. It seems like it'd be more of that risky home run type hire um, than anything else. So while I think we'll probably at least give them a call, I don't realistically see them panning out necessarily. And so I think your guys' lists are really pretty good. I think Matt Campbell's obviously somewhere towards the top of my list as well just because he's had... At least decent success, He's he helped build Iowa State up to where it is now, which uh-huh. um, is a far cry from where it was. I was looking over their records uh, the other night, um, and they were a perennial 2-3 win team up until Matt Campbell came here. And Matt Campbell, I think his first season was a 3-win season, but then he's been somewhere in the 7-8-9 range. Uh, just about every year since then and so it's definitely someone who could turn the program around and i think could definitely get us at least back towards national relevance which is i think what we're aiming for again i share you guys sentiment though that i think his ceiling kind of scares me Mm -hmm. and if he stays at that seven eight nine wins is that something that we want long term and I mean, obviously, as a Husker fan, I want to be, you know, I want to be competing for championships at some point. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, next year or anything, but it's, you know, that's the long-term goal you're working toward. I mean, with any football program. And so can he get to that point? And I'm just not entirely sure of that. So that would be certainly a question that I'm, if I'm Trev, that's, in the back of my mind, at least when I'm going through the interview process uh, or likely interview process with him, at least. And so, um, with Chadwell, I again share the issues that another group of five making the Power Five jump, especially to the Big Ten, where we saw what happened with Scott Frost and um, it just didn't translate as well. Um, I think you could. You could argue that he's had a really good track record, and he's brought Coastal Carolina to a really good place. And uh, Like you mentioned, Andy, they're 2-0 already this season and are probably on pace for another really good season. But um, I'm just not sure that it's necessarily the right fit for Nebraska. So, And I will say that I am not on the Bill O'Brien hype train. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to stay as far away from that train as possible, but uh, yes, I get definitely us understand. Negativity. come on i understand where uh alabama you know going to the nick Saban coaching tree could help him uh, i guess revitalize his image but just seeing what he did in houston um he he did good things with uh penn state but even then he kind of left them in the dust to go to the nfl and didn't really leave them necessarily on good terms, it felt like. And so I can understand where he would be an all-right hire. I just, I don't know. He doesn't really move the needle for me. And I I don't know. I'm not as big on Bill O'Brien as you guys are, I guess. (laughs) Have we mentioned uh, Luke Fickle yet, though? That was going to be who I was going to next. Um, That's kind of one of my I think top two hires would be Luke Fickle. Um, Cincinnati Head coach, he's had really good success there. It could be a long shot, but then again, Cincinnati has kind of fallen off a little bit. They're I mean, they obviously were to, to the college football playoff last year, but this year I know they at least lost their opening game. Um and they're going to the Big Twelve right next mm-hmm. year or two years. And so um there's obviously incentive for him to stay and make that transition to the Big Twelve. But you could also make the case that a jump to the Big Ten for him could be really, really big. And he did help build Cincinnati up to uh, what seems like at least a perennial power type team. And so having a guy like Luke Ficklin here to come and rebuild Nebraska and build that kind of brand back, I think, would be good. I think he'd be a really, really solid hire. And my other top guy would be, I think, Dave Aranda from Baylor. Mm -hmm. I think he's... He is my my top target if we can get him. Um, I think it'll be really tough to pull him away from Baylor. But um, again, Big Ten versus Big 12, moving forward, there could be a lot of incentive to make that jump to a bigger and seemingly um, what's looking like going to be a better conference at this point. And so um, his background, I think he was defensive coordinator for LSU in Wisconsin for a while. And so he does have some familiarity with the Big Ten and with the SEC even. So he's um, he knows how to perform on a big stage like that. And I think that could be really important um, moving forward with Nebraska as well. And then I wanted to share one other, um, could be a long shot guy or more of an under the radar guy, but um, I had someone bring up to me that Ohio State's defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, could okay. be an interesting name to watch because um, he was the defensive coordinator for Oklahoma State mm-hmm. um, over the past few years, and he really retooled that Oklahoma State defense to uh, national levels. I mean, Mike Gundy had, I think, the offensive side of the ball pretty well figured out. but Defense right. under Mike Gundy was not necessarily, you know, a top <laughs> top dog, especially, you know, Big 12 defense. But then Jim Knowles came in and really brought Oklahoma State to more of a complete team and brought the defensive prowess to the team. So I think um, we'll have to see how he does at Ohio State as defensive coordinator, but, I mean, he's a proven guy. Um, coaching in the Big Ten now um, could, again, be another name to watch at least. And so I think my top top guys are Luke Fickle, Dave Aranda, Matt Campbell, Jim Knowles. I think those are my going to be my top four so. So I'll go ahead and pass it over to Zach with, uh, whatever you want to go with
0: (laughs) (laughs) right on. Um, and just to, just to clarify for you, Nate, um, Luke fickle actually did coach in the big 10 before Cincinnati. He was at Ohio state. Um, and he Mm -hmm. actually was the interim head coach, uh, in 2011. So fickle does have some big 10 experience. Granted it's been over 10 years since he did the head coaching gig. Uh, but he did stay there afterwards. Um, and I still I, I would like to point out that he is definitely my top four like uh, fickle like out of everybody like fickle probably would be number one for me mm-hmm. um, you know for sure at least one or two. I just think he's a long shot um, mm-hmm. I you know he's got that proven success at Cincinnati and I do think and Andy, I think you were the one that said this where you know it's not just about it's not just about you know who we can pay we could pay anybody to come here. It's, do they want to come here? Mm -hmm. Um, and everybody kind of knows the reputation of Nebraska and how we've been the last decade, you know, plus, you know, it, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be just as simple. I don't think as writing a blank check and saying, you know, here, here you go, come, come be the coach for us. I mean, I'm sure that's what it's going to probably amount to is we're going to pay the amount to get a good coach. Um, If I had, and again, I think I, if I have to nail down a top four, you know, having these discussions, um, my number one or number two, and these are going to flip flop. I think officially for me is either Luke fickle, and Jamie Chadwell. Um, I think they're both really, really good options. I think I'm going to go with fickle as my number one, because he's got more defensive. Uh, he's got more defensive mindset. Um, I mean, that's what he did at Ohio state was more defensive stuff. Um, I mean, he was co, uh, defensive coordinator between 2005 and 10. And then again from 2012 to 16. So, um, and I personally think a defensive mindset is going to be necessary, um, here in the big 10, because like you said, Nate, famously defense wins championships. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe it's a little early to be talking about that, but I would prefer to see somebody that's defensive minded if, if possible. Um, so Luke fickle. Um, Jamie Chadwell would be a good one. Uh, Matt Campbell's still up there for me. And uh, I do really like Bill O'Brien. Um, I think he's, I, I do think he's a solid option throwing out, you know, throwing out the uh, Houston stuff. Um, you know, maybe he was onto something though with, you know, how Deshaun Watson turned out. So, I mean, maybe I yeah, got out of there before. Maybe he, got he knew, maybe he knew. <laughs> um, Yeah. I mean, obviously this is early, in the process for all of nebraska and you know this list of names that we have which i think you know totals about 20 names is probably going to go to 40 then you know it's it's going to get bigger and then smaller and <laughs> could be a long speculative season for mm-hmm. us specifically just because mm-hmm. you know we could be talking about this weekly um just seeing who doesn't come onto the list Um, or sorry, who doesn't stay on the list rather. Right. Um, or even new additions, people that maybe we're not even thinking about right now. Um, but I mean, you know, we can speculate all we want here, but I I think we've kind of, uh, run that one pretty good. So with that, with all the, uh, new changes that are coming to the Nebraska football team starting as of probably yesterday, um, which would be Monday was yesterday Mm because we're recording this on a Tuesday. Um, you know, I, I think (laughs) we, I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't think there's a lot to really talk about from the Georgia Southern game, but I figure let's, let's do a quick recap of that. And yeah, Oklahoma. How about that? (laughs) I don't,
1: I mean, we can talk about it slightly, but I think whatever we talk about is mute at this point because the coach that was coaching that game is no longer a coach. So, yeah. We can just quickly run through probably just who we thought stood out um but I think in terms of what needs to change I, there's not much to focus on because we don't know until now we play Oklahoma.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for me um out of the whole just overall points um our offense you know we shouldn't be saying that they kept us in the game we should have just won obviously but they kept us in the game offense came to play and they played well enough to give us that chance to want tie the game at the end. Um, I was actually mostly impressed with special teams. Um, You know, it was kind of questionable. Some of the, some of the calls they did, but I don't necessarily blame that on like the coaching or anything. I'm going to say that's just a poor player decision, which happens all the time. Um, But you know, defense. I mean, I, I could find some positives about the offense and the special teams. Um, the defense, I, I mean, my third comment that I have on my phone here as I'm looking through it, uh, or I guess now that I've got it on my computer here, is uh, pathetic. Fire Chenander into the sun. Um, <laughs> I uh, just no. I there. I don't think there's anything you can say about defense positively. Um, were there good plays? Sure. I mean, there was that really cool interception we had, but it amounted to nothing. Um, in the end, I mean, it amounted, it might've, I can't remember if that gave us a score or not eventually, but you know, there's not really anything to talk about. This is obviously we see where it led. So I guess I'll let you guys take the floor. Uh, if there's anything more you want to talk about for Georgia Southern, um, Andy, what you got a couple
1: quick things. Um, yeah, I mean, if you just look at the offensive stat numbers itself, I mean, Casey had an incredible game. Um, our running backs, incredible game as well. Anthony Grant, hundred thirty eight yards, um, a touchdown. Um, I kind of forgot that Casey scored three rushing, three rushing touchdowns all on his own. <laughs> uh, that kind of just kind of. There's such a back and forth game. I was like, oh yeah, Casey ran the ball three times for a touchdown. He ran more than that, but he had three touchdowns out of it. Um, but I mean, yeah. In terms of offense, I mean, just the distribution and the passing from Casey to our receivers, um, it's still good. Uh, with he's getting the ball to there's receivers that he knows are going to make a play. Um, so in terms of that, I mean, it was good. Um, defense, yeah, it's not much to say with defense. They sucked more than more than you can suck. Um, <laughs> but it's it it was the penalty that got me was the illegal contact penalty on. I think it was one of the newer corners. I was with a friend at my at the game with. I literally screamed and sat down and like threw my hands in the air. I'm like, "How do you get an illegal contact penalty on a as a DB when you're lined up against the receiver when you're not even supposed to be touching him until after the ball is hiked?" So that right there is 101 chalked up to coaching. So hope they fix that because. We didn't fire any defensive coaches, so that's definitely on Shenander and or uh, the DBs, coach.
0: And but hopefully they fix it quick.
1: Yes, because Don't do that.
0: that... Don't do that again. <laughs> that's
1: a that's a very stupid five yards. I think it gave them the first down because it was either like second and five or third and five. So I think that gave them the automatic first down. And it was just one of those plays. It's like you got a chance to maybe get off the field, which at that point in that game, I knew it wasn't going to happen because we hadn't done it all night. <laughs> Besides the two turnovers, which I've never you look at the stats and we you how do you win the turnover battle and still lose
0: <laughs> there? There's my defensive positive mm-hmm. comment is uh, we won the turnover, battle.
1: we won the turnover battle yep. and we still lost <laughs> and we still lost. <laughs> so I, there's not much more to say about that. Um, special teams. I mean, kickoffs. They got to work on that when to take the ball out, when not to take the ball out. Uh, that is still, we're not fumbling the ball on kickoffs or punt returns, which is good. I don't think they punted maybe once. They might have punted once, but they definitely did not punt a whole lot that game if they did uh, for that. But yeah, offense was not probably, if I had to grade the brightest part of that game was probably the offense in terms of what looked the best on the field Saturday night. But overall, I just, I was so dejected and like just empty that entire game. Like I cheered when we got the touchdowns and the turnovers, but then in the back of my mind I'm like, we haven't stopped them all game. They're just going to come right back down and score and they did. And so, you can't if especially in any college football game unless you're any Big 12 team ever, you cannot get into a shootout with a team like Nebraska that is not mentally sound. That is not capable of getting that extra gear to win it on the final drive to make that final stop. Um, we did both. We did neither. We couldn't stop them on the final drive to stop them from scoring and taking the lead. We couldn't go down and win the game at either. And I think that's just the sentiment of the, uh, the Scott Frost era at Nebraska. I mean, that – last drive where we couldn't stop them on defense, that last drive where we couldn't score to win the game. I think that is just the stamp of this is a Scott Frost-led team, and it showed. Um, but that's that's all I got from Saturday. What about you, Nate?
2: <laughs> I don't have too much positive. Um, you guys you guys took the one defensive positive, the two turnovers. That was that <laughs> all I had. You don't, I don't know, 642 yards is a lot to give up to a Sun Belt team. Oh, yeah, um, uh,
1: not to cut you yeah. off, Nate. Uh, but I I saw that stat is Nebraska is now 214-1 and one at Memorial Stadium when they had scored 35 points or more. Yep. And that is just like another record you throw up to Scott Frost out of all the records that he has broken, which was all negative records against Nebraska. I mean, we had never lost a game at Memorial Stadium when we had scored 35 points or more until Saturday to a sump belt team. But like we said, the Sunbelt belt had a day Saturday. So we weren't the only power five school that got thrashed by a Sunbelt belt team. But that's just, it was another record that, you know, choke up to Scott Frost and any negative way. Okay. Back to your point, Nate. No, it
2: was just 642 yards of offense for Georgia Southern, almost 200 yard rushers for Georgia Southern. I mean, there's not much to say defensive wise got a tackle it was a lot of it seemed to me like there was just a lot of dink and dunk type plays for georgia southern so it wasn't necessarily big passing plays that were um the achilles heel was just these little five seven yard passes that we couldn't stop because we were playing too far off and so hopefully that gets fixed on defense we're gonna have a heyday on saturday um I, I don't know what to say about the run defense. It seems like a lost cause. We, we've was. got the players there. We got Mathis. We got Wynn, we got Ty Robinson, we got Garrett Nelson. They're all big dudes that should be able to stop the run, but we're just not filling gaps or something. And it's a lot of the fundamentals are, have gone out the window in the Scott Frost era. So hopefully that's something that we can fix this week and go into the next week uh, on a positive note. But, uh, Like you guys said, offensive-wise, things were really humming. (laughs) I mean, Casey had a heck of a game. Three rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown. Anthony Grant was still a beast. A.J. Allen had a decent game as well. There were Anthony Grant was over 100. A.J. Allen was nearing 100. Casey passed the ball around quite a bit. Uh, Like you said, Andy had a pretty good spread of wide receivers catching the ball. Looks like Marcus Washington and Trey Palmer led the team, but... Um, was definitely willing to at least look some other directions. And so, honestly, the positives were just the offense. Um, the offensive line was terrible. But <laughs> that's going to be a recurring thing. <laughs> they figured out how to, you know, overcome that a little bit and score points and put points up on the board. So that was at least good to see. Um, but then one of the other big things 10 penalties that's that's got to be something that's cleaned up um stupid penalties too it wasn't like okay yeah i guess a false start here or there whatever it was just really really dumb plays taking yards away giving them first downs so hopefully we fix some of that um i guess we'll see but uh i guess i'll pass it on to you zach if you want to get into this coming week
0: yeah um it's Oklahoma. I mean, this is a big game, just history historically speaking for Nebraska, you know, this this has history behind it. It's being uh advertised everywhere, you know, you go on Twitter, you go on T V, it's it's all over the place. It's a big noon kickoff. Um, unfortunately, I think the product that we're gonna see on the field, uh it it's not gonna change in one week. Um Oklahoma has been known to have an offense. Um, and I think they're going to show up and have their offense there on Saturday. Um, and I'm, it's, it's going to be a bloodbath. I think, uh, not in the favor of the Huskers. I would love to be proven wrong. Um, but I don't, I, I just, I, as much faith as I have in Mickey Joseph, bringing a lot of energy and bringing changes that could be beneficial, Oklahoma being his opening game just is not, I I would say it's not fair to the guy, but there's really, he has no choice. Um, I do think we'll probably see some good things, uh, but it's, it's hard to be too optimistic about this game. I do think offense is going to be able to score. Um, I guess the other thing that concerns me though, when it comes to Oklahoma is with the new hire of Venables, who's very defensive minded um, coming from Clemson as their defensive coordinator uh you know i haven't watched oklahoma this year but i believe they're 2 and 0 off the spot now and yeah they're pretty good and they're they're ranked they're number right. 6 they're they're ranked <laughs> 6 is that right i think they're 6th yes um they're top 10 i mean that's they're obviously good um they've got the talent they've got the skills i think nebraska does too um you know but going back to the i think the line's point something that i think has been a just a killer for us has been our, our offensive and defensive line just seems small and now that we're getting into to big boy play as I like as i like to call it um it's just it's gonna be a rough go I think um I mean again I'd love to be wrong and I'd love to see Nebraska come out the gate and shock the world um but how much does that mean after our world got shocked last weekend you know um but we'll see um, I guess with that, I think I'm just going to start and just put down a score prediction and then I'll pass yep. it to you guys. Um, <laughs> I think Oklahoma is going to trounce us pretty hard. Um, I don't have really a good guess for what I think the Huskers are going to do, but I'm going to go ahead. is
1: minus 11 for your information.
0: That's a lot closer than I was thinking seven. I think I, okay. Um, you know, Oklahoma is solid. Obviously they, let me check here. I just want to see what they've scored. Yeah. 40 and
1: 33. They've, uh,
0: they've had some good high scoring games. Um, Nebraska's defense, if they if they show up like they did this last Saturday, which I think is probably going to be the case, Oklahoma is going to score on command basically. Uh, so I'm going really high. I'm going to say 56 for Oklahoma and 24 for us, which is probably going to all come from garbage time. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I hate I hate to be super pessimistic, but last week weekend did not give me a lot of hope. Um, And with number six coming, you know, with us playing number six, it's uh, not going to be great. Um, But with that, I will uh, pass it to you, Andy. What you got? So, yeah, like I said,
1: spreads minus 11 over is 60 over under 66 right off the gate. Hammer the over. Absolutely hammer the over. (laughs) uh spread wise i'm still i mean nebraska is 0 and three against the spread this year so if you're smart you bet oklahoma um, but 11 is just kind of that iffy gray area it's like if we get into a shootout again um could be a high score game which is why i said hammer the over um but also if we're able to keep pace um you know nebraska might be able to back to recover um in the end but it'll be, I think it'll be a fun atmosphere just because it's always Oklahoma, Nebraska. Um, Now that we're not hanging over the dreading loom of, oh, when Scott going to be gone? I think Trev knew that with Fox coming into town this weekend, um, giving some sort of interject of optimism, some hope with seeing what could change. Like I, I agree with you, Zach. I don't know how much change we'll actually see um, right out of the gate, but I think it's just, the face of somebody else running the program that's not Scott now um, might be just enough to get the players excited um, to play for Mickey. And I do think um, it's just going to be a it's going to be a fun atmosphere just with these two teams and how much history there is there. Score wise, um, 56, is a really good number. I really like that number a lot. Um, I do. I'll go uh 52 to 45, uh, Oklahoma, but Nebraska with a very late backdoor cover, uh, to squander all of Oklahoma's betters. Over to you, Nate.
2: <laughs> I love that.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, that's literally be, a
0: non-defensive game at all. Like <laughs> correct. <Yep. laughs> Which I mean, that that's is kind of what I'm expecting. That is high scoring. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um. Now I think I'm a little optimistic. I'll 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 keep with the optimism train this week. Well, new coach. I think he's gonna have. I think Mickey's gonna have the guys ready to play. It's an old rival, you know, and that that means something to Mickey. I feel like he. This is what his leg laceration revenge game. I've heard from uh, back in what, the early '90s when they had that hit out of bounds and took him out of the game. Yeah, that so nasty leg injury. Yeah, Mickey could have some uh, residual, you know, uh, motivation to come into this game and have the guys prepared to uh, really bring a dogfight to Oklahoma. So um, I think it works in our favor that it's at Nebraska um, at Memorial Stadium. So that's the crowd in theory should be in our favor. <laughs> um as long as there aren't too many uh, boobirds raining down again. But I, I think with the coaching change, they're, the fans are probably going to be willing to give Mickey a chance and just hoping that they put a good product on the field. So um, with that, I think I'm going to go 42-38 Oklahoma.
0: All right. I like it. I was, I was waiting for you to, to pull out the old scurs by 90. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was that's, waiting for that's it. That's every week with Kool-Aid drinking. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I think 67 to well. three Nebraska. <laughs> you heard it here first. I, uh, I think our Kool-Aid well ran a little dry this <laughs> last weekend, but you know what? I, I appreciate, I can always appreciate the optimism. Um, well, I guess with that, I guess we're kind of, um, at the end here, um, Nice long episode for those that uh, have tuned in. Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, I do kind of want to end a little differently than we have that I think is important. Um, We had a comment on our Facebook page, which anybody that might be new to the Nebraska abilities podcast, we do have a Facebook page. Please go follow us out there. Uh, we also have a Twitter account and, you know, find us on Spotify, all that fun stuff. Um, but we did have a comment that I really liked and it's, it's a bit long, but I think there's some important stuff in here that we as fans, I think need to remember, but also just is maybe a reminder, maybe, but, um, Our friend Chris says, I keep seeing people say it took Osborne 23 years to win a title. Frost deserves more time. Osborne never had a record that was worse than nine and two. When Osborne would say we're close, he was talking about taking the step up from winning conference championships and New Year's six bowls to going undefeated and winning a national title. When Frost would say it, uh, when he would say we're close, he's talking about taking the step from being awful to just being mediocre. Uh, This year, with every starter being a frost recruit, we have managed to get worse than awful and have officially crossed the line to being embarrassing. Um, This was before he was fired, so some of this might, it kind of doesn't make total sense in the context, but um, I don't know if the firing needed to happen today, but it needed to happen. uh, Oh, I guess I'm wrong. (laughs) I see what he's doing here. Sorry. Uh, Chris, you can, you can rate me later. Uh, I've never been to a game with the crowd that has given up on the team as much as we did yesterday. And it's clear the fans have given up on frost. Part of me thought he might get more time, but yesterday's loss is unacceptable and I understand making the move immediately. Okay. So I kind of goof that up, but the point is um, I think, you know, those of us that have wanted to see the change in Husker football need to remember one, uh, like Trev said, we need to stop talking about the past. Um, specifically in that case, you know, Tom Osborne is not coaching anymore. And uh, Chris was right here. Um, (laughs) Tom Osborne was talking about something different. Frost was talking about something completely different, two separate categories. Um, But that said, you know, we are going to have a new head coach come next year. And obviously we need to support him, whoever that may be. But I think us as fans should definitely take a step back and remember this isn't the 90s. Yes, that's what we'd love to get back to, but let's worry about getting competent product on the field first. Let's get you know more consistency than we've had. Um, and, you know, I mean, we had consistency with Bo Pelini. You know, obviously we know how that turned out, but I think there's a lot to look. I think there's a lot to reflect on as fans too. Um, you know, we're all sad that Scott Frost has gone, that he didn't work oh. out, but it's time to see what the future holds. We don't know. But we're here for it. So with that, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another episode of the Nebraska Abilities Podcast. I'm Zach with my hosts, Andy and Nate. And we thank you once again for being here with us. And we will see you next time. And always remember, if it's a possibility, it's a Nebraska Ability.